Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Boobies. That's the topic of today. (laughs) (laughs) You good with that? We We got them. We have boobies. We're going to talk about it. I definitely have boobies. It's October. It is October. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, people. Exactly. So that, my friends, is why we're going to be talking about some boobies. And so because we're talking about boobies and we got a pair of them. A pair? They're um, twins. We're drinking the Monty's Twins 2016 Red Blend. Now, Sarah, I don't think I actually told you this. I've actually had this wine before. Oh, my God. You did not tell me that. But like three years ago, I had this wine. Mm. This, and is, I, this is pre-DBP. Pre-DBP. And I bought it to drink with my twin. And I remember that we liked it. But I also have developed a much more discerning palate. I wonder why. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Is it all the wine you've been drinking? Maybe. Perhaps. Maybe. But I'm yeah. super excited about this. So can you crack it? Yeah. So Monty's Twins is from Chile. Yes. And it is a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon. Syrah, Carmenere, and Tempranillo. Mm-hmm. So the biggest grape would be the Cabernet at 35%, the Syrah following at 30%, and then the Carmenere 25%. Tempranillo 10. Cool. All right. Tempranillo 10. Mm-hmm. 10 for temp. Okay, so it actually recommends decanting oh, this. That's right. For 30 minutes, which is not a long time for decanting. So if you do... If you can do that, then go for it Um, because by the time you, like, get your glasses, get your food ready, whatever, it's been 30 minutes, people. But we are actually going to use a a little aerator here Um, to help oxygenate this shit and open it up. This and um, in place of decanting since... You know, we wanted to open this with you guys. I think I can smell it over here. I mean, my glass is probably a foot from my face. It is extremely it. dark red. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can't. Okay, so in all honesty, because you guys are all my friends, I can be honest with you. I oh don't usually like Chilean wine. <laughs> this is true. So this is going to be a test. So Sarah's already coming into it with some preconceived notions, but I will, you have to give yourself credit. We have gone to an all Chilean, it was Chilean Argentinian wine tasting before, and we actually like some wines there. I like Argentinian wines. Yeah. So this is, I'm just putting it out there to all you people who don't really want to try things you don't like. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm doing it. Try it. You might like it. And I've tried Chilean wine and it's never been impressive. This smells nice. It does. Let's cheers. Cheers. Cheers to boobies. I'm going to see if you agree with me. I don't want to look at your reaction. On the nose, I feel like it's it's very dark. It's like plummy. Oh, yeah. It's very... Super um, dark. Super dark. Super dark. It's very... I See, I'm, I keep hiding you. <laughs> Jamie's <laughs> actually covering her eyes, so she can't look at me right now. It's hilarious. I can't see you. So... But I will also admit that one of the first scents that I picked up was like cleaning solution, maybe like for hardwood floors. Paint thinner? No, not paint thinner, uh. but it's also piney. Like it's, there's something about like a pine wood that's in here too, which 
listen, I'm describing this because I want to convey what I'm smelling. Does that make tasting, sense? But it doesn't. I'm not suggesting this is bad either, though. Okay. I, I don't think it smells bad. I actually think it smells like it's strong. I mean, you got to be in the mood for this kind of red, I think. Just mm. like. This isn't if, for the faint of heart. No. If you want a serious red, I, I mean, I've only had one sip of this, but I'm telling you, this is not like your, uh, you know, easy drinking, lighthearted red. I don't think. It's not like our, it's not like one of our last ones where it really, it, you know, even though it was a cab, it was a smooth, it was a lighter cab, you know? Okay. I don't hate it. <gasps> you guys all heard you it. You guys, that's a lot to say this for me. This is recorded. It's going down in history it's recorded, yeah. of GBP. Mm-hmm. She does not hate this wine. My mom is, is, is very surprised somewhere. Me and her have the same thoughts on Chilean wine. Um, that's okay. funny. I don't hate it. This is dark. I, it's dark. I do understand the need to decant. I think that there's a lot of dark fruits in the beginning, and then you get this, like, tannin at the end. Oh. It, like, dry. There's a little bit of drying. You get a little drying sensation? Yeah. I don't really um, get that right now, but. My beef, usually with Chilean wine, is forgive me for all of you Chilean wine lovers, but sometimes I feel like it tastes like dirt, honestly. Like, it's it's too much of the earth. Okay. Like, I think that they're, like, French wine has earth in it. Some really good Pinots have some earth in it. But I, my beef with Chilean wine is sometimes it's too earthy. I don't think that I get that with Beef this. and chili? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. You just make yourself laugh so hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. You just kept saying your beef with chili beef and wine. I was chili. like, beef and chili. Beef, beef and chili. There is beef and chili. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay yeah I okay but Sarah there are wines that are earthier they taste more like dirt floor and that's those are common descriptors of some wines so it's funny that you mentioned France okay we've talked about like every single one of these grapes before uh-huh. except for Carmenere so we're gonna delve in a little deep into Carmenere for those DB peeps on the I was just gonna say those DB peeps on the, on the phone. phone oh yeah they're on the phone <laughs> those DB peeps tuning in so Carmenere is a wine that is actually one of the six allowable Bordeaux grapes. Um, it is not rarely, or it's not commonly used any longer, and that's partially because phylloxera, like basically decimated, much like it did to every other grape everywhere else, but it essentially wiped out Carmenere in France, in Bordeaux. And speaking of phylloxera, it is really interesting because one thing about Chile that's really good is they were like the only place that was unaffected. It's still the only place. Like, yeah. that and actually Washington, I don't think. Oh, really? Washington State. Were they growing wine, though, at that time? No, no, no. Not at that time, but it's still, phylloxera is still, I think, a problem sometimes. And if it's not phylloxera, it's another insect. I was just hearing something about okay. it. Okay. So it's not an issue in Chile. Correct. I don't know why. They have no idea. Not, yeah. It's like one of those, like, unsolved mysteries that is a good mystery to have. And I don't think they want to know the answer. Because I don't think they want to know, like, what would introduce phylloxera to this region. Yep. That's one of the reasons why this makes it so unique. And the reason why that is important to note is that your Chilean wine, those grapes are going to be grown in vineyards on original rootstock. And so everywhere else has had to graft these roots. So taking, like, Merlot vine and grafting it onto something else. So it's technically not only Vitis vinifera. So, and the That's other what thing, I understand. so here's another thing, you know, people would beg to differ. 
that having these grafted rootstock changes the taste of the wine because it's no longer the original rootstock. It is something that is morphed and something that is combined genetically. And so it's not, it doesn't, it, the flavors have changed since phylloxera happened. Probably, but we have nothing to compare it to. Ex- ex- except for this. But, and so, and I say this because France actually, one of the reasons why Carmenere is grown in Chile is because the French winemakers, they had done some digging, uh-huh. They had done some digging in other soils in other countries around the world, and they found that Chilean soil had – not only did it have an ideal climate, but it had great soil for fine wine. And so the French actually were the ones to bring the grapes over there and invest in these soils, invest in these vineyards. There are some partnerships um, – I'm blanking right now as to who it's with – I want to say Erasaries is one of the winemakers in Chile that has um, some sort of partnership with French winemaker. Um, but th- that's why there's a lot of French influence in terms of the grapes and in terms of the wine styles that are the coming out of Chile. And so this is hilarious. I'm sorry. A little other history. They used to think that Carmenere was like extinct around the world. Totally. Well, it's not. Because Chile thought that they had planted a bunch of Merlot. Oh. And then they did DNA testing and found out that what they thought was Chilean Merlot is, in fact, Carmenere. So it is some of the original Carmenere from Bordeaux. Isn't that incredible? That is actually, like, super incredible. Yes. Because you, like, saved something you didn't even know you were saving. Right. And so that's the thing is that although there isn't a direct comparison because, sure, like, climate, soils, things like that change based on, you know, what's going on in the – in the soil and, and around the world. However, this is like the closest you're going to get to that like ungrafted, the very original rootstock from France. So you could feasibly compare this wine with a French Carmenere if you could find it. Because it is grown elsewhere. It's it not is, totally wiped not out. But it's, no. Yeah. You're primarily going to find this in China, unbeknownst to me. I don't think me. anyone around that's listening is actually drinking wine from China. It's apparently a huge thing. I know, but I, not here yet. No, I know. But it is Chinese. The Chinese literally love drinking red wine. Unless we have some listeners in China, and that would be pretty cool. I know. Carmenere is mostly grown in Chile. Uh, it is one of the grapes that is sort of a signature, if you will, of Chile. It is, yep. Um, but China is the next one, and then Italy. And then everywhere else, it's like very very tiny tiny minuscule amounts grown and so it really kind of it's just like a plot (laughs) like a small plot of Carmenere basically so I can tell you why they combined these four varieties together in turn in the Monty's twins yes ma'am why is that so the cab gives its structure complexity and aromas of ripe black fruit Mm -hmm. the Tempranillo contributes to freshness and juiciness I'm not sure about that but Tempranillo Tempranillo means um, it ripens early, and so that it has a very young, fresh characteristic. So okay. I that makes sense to me. And the Carmenere gives a, gives smooth, round tannins for a lightly sweetened sensation. Do you get any sweetness on this one? I think there is a mild fake sweetness at the end. Ah. Um, it to me, I mean, Carmenere is a dry red wine. It, it's not sweet by any means. But we were I was actually talking about this with somebody else about Argentinian wines, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And they were saying that certain elements in wine can actually trick you into thinking that something is sweeter. 
At any rate, I don't really find that this is like sweet, sweet wine, but no. Carmenere is a dry red wine, medium body, medium alcohol, medium acidity, and medium tannin. So it's it sounds like it's a middle of the road thing, but it actually has a lot to offer. And it can tend to have some of those like more peppercorny, bell peppery flavors as well, like Cab Franc, another French grape. Yeah, so there might be some pepper flavor too from the Syrah here. Anyways, 50% of this wine is aged for 12 months in French oak. It is 14% ABV. Pretty standard for as heavy as a red this is. It doesn't. Uh, that's actually surprising to me. Uh, really, I would I probably could get it on call the smell. us a 13. A 13 no, or I could get it on the smell. You can pair this with pizza. Winefall, you said that it pairs really well with roasted meats. Um, yeah, even like chicken and meats, beef. Mm-hmm. beef. Lamb. Um, but anything that can be spiced with cumin. Oh, Okay. Cumin, how do you pronounce it? Either way, cumin, cumin, however you want. This wine is creamy, youthful, and easy to drink. However, you could still age it for up to I think six years. Is what the oh, that's saying, okay. So. That's good. Yeah. How do you say where the the valley? Oh, Colchagua. Colchagua. It's Colchagua Valley in Chile is where it's from, which is like right in the central area. So it's just next to the Central Valley region, but it's a little bit closer to the Andes Mountains, which mm. is what borders Chile and Argentina. So this is, I'm going to use my word. This is much more pleasant than I, <laughs> I would have gonna, expected of a Chilean wine. I thought you were going to go as far as say lovely right no, now, but not yet. I won't yet. say lovely. Not yet anyway. Yet. But it is pleasant. Never say never. Never say never. So. All right, let's talk about boobies. Boobies, yes. boobies, boobies. So it is October. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. Which is really important because I'm pretty sure that everybody who's listening has known someone who's had breast cancer, affected by breast cancer in some way, somehow. So I think it's really important that we talk about this. I know it's a little more serious, um, but, you know, it's You can still drink wine and talk about serious things. Mm -hmm. This is true. So a woman is actually diagnosed with breast cancer every two minutes. Um, and you know, is there more breast cancer now or is there earlier detection? Hard to tell. Mm. I think that early detection is probably out there. And so more people are getting diagnosed, which is a good thing because they're catching it earlier. So our survival rates are going up. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely something that I think the medical community should be really proud about. Um, 62% 62% of breast cancer cases are diagnosed at a localized stage, and the five-year survival rate is 99% for those people. And I think that the five-year survival rate overall for breast cancer nowadays is 90%. So Now, when you say localized, just to mm-hmm. be very clear, that means like it just in one spot. Yeah. Yeah. So it hasn't spread. It means that, you know, they caught it early enough, and that's why mammograms are so important for anyone who's supposed to start them at the age of 40. Maybe younger if you have a family history or, like, genetic issue of some sort. Um, but you're supposed to do them every year after mm-hmm. you're 40. So, wait, a mammogram every year? Yeah. Every year? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Wait, is that mm-hmm. under the newer guidelines or is that under older guidelines? Because I do know that they changed. Oh, are you thinking of pap smears? No. They changed those. They made them longer. No, I'm th- I know that. I know that mm-hmm. for a fact. But, um... In my day job, I definitely heard that there was a change in mammography screening recommendations. And 
The oh, OB-GYNs okay. were like yep. freaking out. So there's some evidence to say that women should get between 40 and 50 every two years. Okay. So. I mean. You know what? When Swish they my say boobs. that. I'll, I I'll get a say, mammogram every year. Whatever. Sarah, like, sorry to pause this early, but I would personally prefer to be over-screened, although I know that it's like additional costs and over-utilization well, perhaps, I, but can, this is serious. I think the reason why is that sometimes it can cause unnecessary testing, which can cause anxiousness, unpleasantness uh, for the woman going through it. It's extra healthcare dollars, you know. Extra so, resources. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons things, yeah. why. However, if you ask me, I mean, I'd want to be screened more. I also, I mean, to your point earlier, it seems like there's a very high prevalence rate. But part of that is, I'm sure, due to the fact that we have better ways to screen and to monitor. Right. Our technology that exists is so incredible. Not, I'm, I am sorry, I need to PSA a little bit, but like medicine is not perfect. Medicine is not a one-size-fits-all. And it's infuriating because the doctors do literally everything that they can given everything that a patient presents with and so when you know it's they'll say oh my friend had this and it's like well yeah your friend had that but that's not why that's not going to match for you that's not going to work for you so yeah anyway i also our imaging techniques are better oh totally you know there's a lot of reasons (coughs) so you knew you can go to the doctor to get this done but you can also do self-screening self-screening yeah, and you know, there was for a while there that they were telling people that you shouldn't do self-screening. My sister leading, just told me this. Yeah, it was leading to um, more unnecessary testing than needed because people were really not feeling much. However, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of people who do self-screening and find their own lumps. So, I, you know, I think that's a hard one. Also, I will say this because my doctor told me this a few months ago when I was there, that certain times of the month – they're going to feel different. So if you're uh-huh. going to screen, if you're going to do your own self-exams, you should do it like at the same time of the month or at the same time of your your cycle, if you will, mm-hmm. because that is going to mean that you have the same comparison because your tissue can change throughout right. based on your hormone levels. Yeah, the, which is true. So, you know, what are some symptoms of breast cancer? Changes in the size or shape of the breast, pain in any area, nipple discharge, Definitely get something checked out if you're mm-hmm. having that. A new lump. Dimpling, you know. Caveat, though, if you, like, lost a significant amount of weight or stopped breastfeeding. That's different. But definitely still, like, dimpling, like, a, and change in the tissue. They say, like, the, isn't it, like, an orange rind? Like, if you see, like, little puckering stuff. Oh, it's gross. I, Listen, ladies, if anything true. looks different than normal, then just get it checked out. I mean, you know your boobs. It's like, okay to look at yourself. In a mirror or just look down, oh you know. It's, it's so it's so okay funny. to check yourself out. <laughs> there are reasons why you should, and it benefits you in the long run. Okay, so before I get into some of the prevention things. Yeah. This kind of leads into that. Um, so I know there is a lot of more recent information out there about drinking that increases the risk of cancer. And so seeing as we are drinking wine currently right now, I think that's something we should address. There was a a study that came out in 2015 Mm -hmm. that said light to moderate drinking was associated with a minimally increased risk of overall cancer, more for women who had never smoked. So smoking, they know for sure 
is a huge risk for all cancer, including breast cancer. So if you're smoking, stop smoking. (laughs) If you've never smoked, don't smoke. Keep it that way. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Drinking. Um, So this actually specifically called out breast cancer. Okay. This study. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And it was... Especially for alcohol consumption above moderate levels, which was at least 30 grams a day. So what is 30 grams a day? For a wine that is 12.5% ABV, that would be about 10 grams. So we're talking about three glasses of wine average. That's um, moderate? Wow. That is that is above moderate. Okay. Okay. So if you're doing that every day, so then, you're, two glasses. then you're an above moderate drinker. Okay. Um, now when they did a joint analysis, like I said, smoking is a higher risk. They did a joint analysis of alcohol intake and smoking. And they said that compared with alcohol, smoking was a much stronger risk factor for all cancer. Now, okay. (laughs) The problem with the study that came out is that, so like, are we freaking out because we're drinking wine here? I mean, because this basically was saying, like, you should drink nothing, really. Well, of course. Every state is going to say don't drink anything because well, no, technically alcohol is like a drug. Because the cardiovascular studies have showed that alcohol is a benefit and decreases cardiovascular risk and mortality. So this is I feel like this is our, This is like the fact, like, when we were looking at those studies for caffeine. There are some who support it and some who say, like, no, it's bad. So the problem with the study is... One, they didn't break down what type of alcohol. Women that were reporting drinking one to two drinks a day who consumed wine were at no greater risk than non-drinkers. Yes. (laughs) For those of you... But what about the other ones? Nerds out there with the relative risk, it was one, meaning there's no difference. Now, for those who were drinking beer, they were at higher risk, slightly higher risk. And liquor was at a, a little bit more of a risk. So non-drinkers and wine drinkers have the same risk. So this basically has solidified my choice to really <laughs> drink only drink wine. Now, again, we're talking like to moderate <laughs> drinking, not excessive drinking. Oh, sure, drinking. sure, sure. Um, also, they, this study didn't look at the overall impact of drinking. So, again, there's been several studies that have shown reduced risk of cardiovascular death. So if there was no drinking at all then there would probably be more heart disease and diabetes <laughs> i so. you know what you could easily twist those words because it's all in how you say it and you could essentially say like stopping drinking will make you die yeah you could say that <laughs> if you just remove a few of the salient pieces from that statement again this is light to moderate light to moderate not heavy drinking not been drinking correct I really appreciate, Sarah, when you pull these studies and you sort of mention, you know, the caveats behind all of this because they are very selective studies and there are way more factors to consider. You can't just take like one snippet from a study and say like, Mm -hmm. this is how I'm going to live my life based on this one study because there's probably five other studies out there that say the complete opposite. Well, stats can do a lot of things. They certainly can. can So if you look at the supplementary information in the study, they actually showed women who drink one to three glasses of wine had no increased risk of breast cancer. Okay. Then the liquor and beer drinkers actually had oh, like a 26 to A perceived increase. Yeah. increase. Yeah. It's so, kind of crazy. Okay. So what other drinking, 
drinking wine, light to moderate drinking of wine, does not appear to be a risk factor. But what are some some risk factors that people perhaps now should be? And aware we of? say that, but we don't know for sure. There's never been a randomized control study, and we are not we are not uh, medical doctors. I'm just saying, like yes, you don't I'm just, know for sure. There's yeah. never been a randomized control study, but We're based just upon looking this, at associations mm-hmm. based upon Big this. Difference. So, what are other risk factors that we should consider? So, definitely. Keeping a healthy weight and exercising regularly is really important. It's important for a lot of things. If you're a woman and you can breastfeed your kids, that's actually also supposed to decrease your risk. Breastfeeding um, does? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, the reason they've also seen a drop in breast cancer above the age of 50 is because hormone replacement therapy past menopause has been on the decline because they did show that that was increasing cancer. So oh. if you're on hormone replacement therapy or birth control past the age of 40, then you want to talk to your doctor about like how long you should be on it. Um, I did not know that. Obviously, if you have family history, then you might want to get tested for some of those genes that can increase your risk. So That makes sense. People, so like who in your family would you? Moms, aunts, cousins, sisters. Don't smoke. Got Don't it. drink excessively. Got it. And then get your mammograms. So the National Breast Cancer Foundation offers free mammograms for the underserved population who can't afford it. So that's really cool. That's awesome. So it, everyone should be getting them at 40 or older. There I mean, is some men that get breast cancer. I was just going to say. Yeah, it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm. One in a thousand. Mm-hmm. Statistically wise, guys should be aware of it too is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. But if you're so comparing- it could it, maybe it's not a pec muscle that's just growing in a weird lump, guys. If you feel something, go to the doctor know. and say something. Yeah, I mean that's compared to over two hundred and sixty thousand new cases of breast cancer for women. Nearly two seventy, yeah, and sixty two thousand new cases of non-invasive breast cancer. Wow, so that's a much larger, and that's and just in the U.S. Over forty thousand will die. That's just in the U.S. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you were talking much bigger numbers. One in eight women will develop breast cancer in their life. That's a very mm-hmm. sobering statistic. Isn't it? Sobering, especially because we are, in fact, drinking. But It's only second to skin cancer. We are seeing a greater prevalence. All of this comes together, and you're just wondering, why are we seeing more of it? But I also think yeah, about but the again, people I around think, us. I think it's also a lot of, again, that we have better imaging techniques. Mm-hmm. They're testing people more. So you people get People are living more. longer. I mean, exactly. And the, and survival rates are up. Yeah. Um, so when you think about the one in eight statistic, right, it's terrifying because let's say you go to like a family event, a family party, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, 4th of July, whatever holiday you're celebrating, you look around, I'm sure there's more than eight women there. And that is, that's where it comes to be an extremely sobering statistic, in fact. And when you're out with your friends, like wine night or something, it's very concerning. And I think that's when it starts to sink in a little bit as to the importance of really kind of keeping track of your own health and taking some of this into your own hands and really evaluating what is going on in your life and what you can do to sort of increase, well, decrease your risk of developing one of these things. One of these types of cancers or another, you know, medical condition. Mm-hmm. 
So why do we do breast cancer awareness? I mean, let's let's try and round this out on more of a positive note. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sounds good. I'm I'm all for it. Uh, because you know it's it's all like sad, but really, like I said, we have more awareness and people and the drugs out there now. There's new cancer drugs that have become more and more successful, and new surgical techniques that have become more and more successful, mm-hmm. increasing survival. So why do we do? Oh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And what can you do? You can share a story. So you can go on Breast Cancer Awareness on the website. Um, and you can share cancer survivors, family members, medical professionals, professionals can share perspectives. And so, you know, that will help people. I mean, people need companionship. Oh, they definitely need community. And they need some, like, hopeful stories. Yeah. So... Also, think pink. You can try and wear pink or encourage coworkers to wear pink. Or On Wednesdays, we wear pink, like me and pink girls. Pink Day. I actually saw like three miles of heavy-duty trucks completely painted and dressed in pink. Are you serious? Yep, in support of breast cancer. Wow. Awareness. And this was last week. Mm-hmm. Well, you know the NFL, they wear pink shoes. Like their there cleats and stuff are pink. That's or good. they'll wear, I think, a badge or something or a, yeah. um, what's the, a patch, excuse me. That visibility just kind of mm-hmm. helps, you know, really bring people together and sort of feel that extra bond and support. Um, you can make a donation. You can make a don- donation to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, you can make a one-time donation to just somebody that you know who needs a mammogram or, you know, someone who you know who has breast cancer. You can host a fundraiser. To raise money for... Sure, that makes sense. Um, You can wear pink ribbons. You can get a mammogram. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And then you can also, you know, go on social media and kind of promote all of this that we're talking about. I know my sister does this for the women's club that she is a part of. And there are groups of people who will sign up to essentially make meals for families of people who are affected by... Breast cancer, other cancers too, but breast cancer is one of them. Because it's really draining when you talk about treatments. Not only financially draining, but it is also time, emotion, all of that. And oftentimes there's just not enough resources or not enough time in the day Mm -hmm. or you don't feel well because of, you know, what chemo or radiation you're on, whatever your treatment may be. And so Lindsay will actually make some, you know, there's a group of girls that all, women, excuse me, that sign up to make a full rounded out meal, dessert, main, appetizer, whatever, and they will go and drop it off at the house um, for like a week. Um, Which is awesome. It's amazing. And I think that there oftentimes now, I think that there's not quite as much of that community feel, but it's really important like when the communities can band together and kind of surround themselves or surround these people who, you know, are in need of a little extra support and help, you know, kind of just saying like, it's okay, like we have your back if you need help. Let us know because we're here for you. Yeah. And I think that's also a very challenging thing I know for women is to ask for help, right? Right. Exactly. And so it's... So if you're a friend, maybe just offer it. Yeah. If you offer it and they say no, I mean, just pay attention and say like... But really it would make, you know, spin it on you and say like it would make me feel real good about myself. Or, you know, maybe look for other things to help with if that's not... Making foods. Driving kids. Yeah. Or going to the grocery store, picking stuff up, uh, running some other errands, you know. 
doing some returns, like whatever. There's a lot that can help out that it seems insignificant, but it definitely, I think, would be a big deal for someone with um, breast cancer. Also, yeah, breast cancer awareness is also to kind of bring awareness to the good stuff that's going on. Our survival rates are up. Woohoo! The cancer rate has fallen for a woman diagnosed between 2006 and 2015. Um, there's better surgery out there, so people can now get surgery where they remove the cancer and then they have the resculpting of the breasts or implants right after so one surgery instead of multiple instead of multiple so there's a lot of positive that we want to bring awareness to too so those that are diagnosed don't feel like it's you know immediate doom so basically you sum it up we're pink we're pink (laughs) that's easy right get a mammogram we're pink get a mammogram do your or or Maybe you don't have insurance that will cover it. I don't know if all insurance is covered. I would hope so, but whatever. Well, then you can or find check the, out the National Breast Cancer Foundation because they offer free mammograms. There you go. Um, I know that there are also um, groups of women who will – this is so – this is like one of the coolest things that I have seen. And there is a woman – I can't remember where she was, but she started knitting – for the those people who have surgery to remove but maybe don't have that reconstruction immediately or don't want it, they there are women that will knit boobs. Oh, that's They will sweet. legit knit boobs so that and fill it with whatever you know, I can't remember what it's filled with, but it's uh-huh. meant to, you know, mimic so that you can put it inside of your bra and feel like you still have something there. Which I think is one of the scariest parts is probably because, you know, your boobs kind of, they're part of your identity, you know, they, they're, they're with you. They are literally part of you. And when some of that gets removed or all of that gets removed, it's such a drastic change too, because you think about when you developed them when you were mm-hmm. younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mine took a little while to come in. Mine did too. And then they decided they were really coming in. The change is not that easy. Anyone who goes through this is extremely brave, and that's one of the most important things to remember, too. Yeah. And one of the most important messages is that anyone who has breast cancer or cancer is just extremely brave because you're going to battle something that is – it's not a fair fighter by any means. And so, you know, to having these, these groups of people who can help supply you with something, you know, whether it's wigs or kerchiefs or, you know, a knit boob yeah, to kind of replace that. Yeah. It, it's just incredible what people think of and what actually helps people feel better when they're in, in this situation. You verbalize that so well, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you. How are you verbalizing this wine here? All right, I'm picking up more tannins now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's definitely starting to come through. I'm also definitely getting some of that bell pepper, but it's not like a crisp, fresh bell pepper. It's Almost like you've sautéed it with nothing else on it, right? Okay. So it's sort of like a dulled flavor. All like right. Cab Franc, I'd say, is like a crisp bell pepper. This is not. And I feel like the tannin and that actually kind of overwhelm a little bit. It over It is shining through more so than the fruits. I still think it's very heavy on the plum. It's a lot nose. of tannin. It's a, it's a lot of dark fruit. It's not bitter, but it's got that like sweet, bitter, dark chocolate. Type yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. You know, where you're like, it's not sweet, but you know, there's something going on here. It's, it's not intense. quite dessert, but yeah. But it's, it's intense. You it's say intense. it's intense, but it's also, I wouldn't say it's like a grippy in your face wine either. This, I think, I mean, granted, we're not really eating with this. I do think that this would pair extremely well with food. 
Yeah, the right food, yes. The right food, sure. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this Chilean wine, Sarah? Like I said, it's pleasant. <laughs> I was real. I was a little, I was slightly hoping that you were going to say lovely. I don't think it's lovely. I think it's pleasant. Step in the right direction for Sarah no, here. it is. You know what? For for me, for Chilean wine, I'm drinking it. I'm pouring myself more. I'm not I, spinning I've it out. seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I poured you more. The, and you didn't yep, stop me. I didn't stop you because it's, it's, I'm enjoying it. Is that better? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, Sarah, I'm sorry. We didn't mention this either. How much did you pay for this wine? I got actually got it. For oh, free. shut up. <laughs> That's all right. Because I How had much so would many points because I spent so much money at the store that we bought it at. How much would you but have I, paid? But I would have paid, I think, $16. Okay. It's okay. Not bad. That's really not bad. Mm-hmm. And I bought this years ago. Actually, it might have been when we lived in the place that shall not be named. Mm-hmm. I bought it there and brought it back up to Chicago to drink with my sister. I think this is a decent wine. It's a $15 wine that is Cab Syrah, two grapes that I really love, and also Carmenere. And I I first learned about Carmenere in 2009. And I remember my mind being blown because I'm like, Phew. it's like Malbec, but not. It's like it misses the spicy, spicy of Malbec, but it still has this like extra character of like, it's, I think I said See, it before. And I don't think Malbec is spicy. It's it definitely can't be. I think Maybe I we remember need to when I had this. Malbec soon. I mean, you won't have to twist my arm that much to do that. I Deal. didn't like it. I think this is a good wine, and I love twins, obviously, but I like the twins that are on my body too. Yeah, let's try and keep those there. Yes, for everyone out there. So you know, feel yourself up. And we cheers anyone who <laughs> knows anybody. I'm pretty sure well, cheers probably anybody. everyone listening does. And if you don't, then you were a lucky person. Yeah. Um, but definitely, we cheers to those who have been affected by breast cancer. And we encourage you to really take care of your own health and to help tackle this by keeping track of your own boobies. Yeah. Boobies. It's pretty good That's boob. the DBP PSA. That's right. All right, guys. Until next time, and we will have a treat for you next time. Cheers, bitches. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers from the girls of DBP. DBP.